Hello and welcome to this Nutmeg podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. I'm Daniel Gray and this 30th edition of the podcast is our first 30-minute documentary. We'll still be bringing you a fortnightly dose of interviews and occasional panel discussions, but also branching out to give further insight into the Scottish game. This one is part of a thread I'm calling Footballers' Lives, sketches of what players get up to behind the scenes on Saturdays and through the week. The Nutmeg podcast is sponsored by Orium, Scotland's sports performance centre. Orium's executive director, Ross Campbell, is also a player and assistant manager at Montrose FC. This seemed like too good an opportunity to miss, so I hung about Lynx Park during a fixture against Wraith Rovers at the end of the 2018-19 season, just before both teams' playoff campaigns. Then I popped over to Orium, just outside Edinburgh, and had a chat with Ross there. Do have a look at their website, oriumscotland.com, and follow them on Twitter, at Orium Scotland. And remember, the Nutmeg podcast is only here because of our very lovely print magazine. Come see us nutmegmagazine.co.uk Enough of that, here's the podcast and Montrose manager Stuart Petrie in the home dressing room. Cue tape. Time comes into the goal, back three is obviously Sean, Ryan and, and Michael, uh, Liam's on the left, Webby's on the right and then it's Paul and Jamie right and left. Canto comes and plays at 10 off the front. Number uh, five, <laughs> Ross, tell me about the match day routine for a home game. What time do you arrive? What's the lead up until kickoff from that time? Well, we're actually we like to actually prepare all throughout the week, but we name our team on a Thursday. Uh, that gives players the opportunity to prepare. Probably, have, uh, obviously, the disappointment of not playing um, and they come in fresh. So, when it comes down to a Saturday, it's quite relaxed actually. I try to get up here around quarter past one, and um, then it's around just as the players come in. The players have to report at the latest quarter to two. So that half an hour period really quite relaxing. There's a bit of banter around in the changing room as you've just heard and then we just get some administration done really around player travelling expenses, make sure the strips are out properly, guys are in scene physio etc so that would be typical until we start our team talk at around 2 o'clock and then you start to focus more on the game um, from 2 o'clock onwards I've got a clear focus in my head really that we are absolutely in this playoffs to win it and I think the playoffs start today Managers totally hit the nail on the head about the boys who want to impress. Every single one of you must be at 100%. 100% effort and 100% focus today. Because if we don't do that, we'll then try and pick it up again on Tuesday and it'll be difficult. And then we'll be going into the, then the manager will be taking forward an idea that there's only maybe 14 or 13 players that can get us through. Because right now he's genuine. That that means, because you has been playing a lot bit of games, he didn't play last week. Everybody will have played games going into Tuesday, and we've already got two. There's four changes from Tuesday in our head through to next Saturday already. So it genuinely is, and that's in good faith. What a carrot it is the end to go and celebrate. So 
we must be focused and, and that has to come out today in twofold. One, be really disciplined and really organised because there's going to be times in the playoffs where we need to soak it up and we need to ride that storm and be really defensive. But see if we're on top today and we've got a chance, we man, we wizard, with some of the chances setting it up and that's happening, go after the jugular and get right down their throat. And I mean that because it's these two things that happen in playoff matches and we need to have an ability to do both. So work your balls off, simple stuff, right throughout, and then let the rest of that come through. And if we do, we're right into the game today. Do you ever change anything at the last minute from you see the mood of today's Wraith Rovers, you see the way they're walking or you hear a little rumour, is everything set in stone on Thursday and let's go for it? It's probably one of the probably one of the only negatives of naming your team on a Thursday that you don't you can't really adjust to the vagaries, for example, of the Scottish weather or, or other things. So um, we don't actually change much last minute, unless it's forced, of course, if there's an illness or or an injury. Um, but typically, we really like to get that done and dusted on a Thursday, so that we can be really focused on the preparation for the game. You know, with everybody all pulling together, rather than say just the eleven. So no, it doesn't happen as much. Any superstitions for you, whether playing or on the in the dugout? I haven't. I haven't actually. Um, I'm. I'm still new to the dugout, so some may develop. Um, the manager uh, wears the same pants or the same trainers. You know, the routine based on if they've if we've won. I, I haven't probably been in the dugout long enough to develop them. And as a player, I'm. It's quite simple for me, you know. I'm maybe not the technically the best player, so um, I just focus on making sure I'm fully prepared. Um, so, but I wouldn't call it superstitious. It's just it's good preparation, you know, my hydration and making sure I eat well, etc. That, that's mainly it. There's a real buzz about a football club on a Saturday afternoon. Behind the scenes, we don't see it as fans. Is it a bit like a drug for you? You have to be near that that buzz. I was driving up today. It's the last game of the season, and yes, we have the playoffs. And some of my friends, Michael. Um, I'm in the car with him the music's on you know it's just a fantastic experience and that just that just continues on throughout um, from the music in the changing room the buzz and the adrenaline when the game starts or if you score a goal and unfortunately sometimes obviously we, we do lose it is it is a bit like a drug and I think that's what keeps us keeps us focused really on what we want to do it's obviously a, a, for a part time football club but it's one of the most northernly so you would have to be enjoying it to come up to Montrose from where I live in and, and I absolutely do that. Can you believe you're now one of the older players? Has your career flown by? <laughs> um, somewhat. I, 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 I probably a long time ago when I was playing for university or Spartans, I didn't think I would ever play professional. So to have to have played the last ten years or so professional, it has really run in. It's shot in actually, and that's why I'm enjoying it so much now. At the end of this season, you know, there was a period in the in the third quarter where I didn't play much and I was coaching more. So to have played the last seven games and help the team get to the playoff, I, I genuinely am um, just taking one game at, as, at a time and really enjoying every single moment because I know that's not going to last forever. Um, but at the moment, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Of the club you've played at, is this a special one in terms of it means a lot to the community with sort of some teenage lads hanging around that are obviously really into the team here. There's a buzz, there's the the thing you get at every club with the guys that have been here for years. It seems like a, a, a great little community club. Yeah, over over my career I've I've been at five or six clubs if I work it back and every single one of them they're 
the thing that stands out is how good people there are that they're around all the clubs but if I focused exclusively on Montrose where I am just now it genuinely is fantastic if you the volunteers uh, can't do enough for you they're fantastic um, the supporters you know really get behind the team and then you focus on the board and the playing side um, who are all pulling in the same direction so of course it helps the fact that we're winning we've been successful since Stuart the manager came in um, having went from bottom of the league to playoffs to win the championship and now playoffs in the division above you know it's we've, we've had success throughout that whole two and a half years but it's so much more than that you know even we had dark times when we were bottom of the league um, or even when we were in the playoffs going down the way there was, those people were exactly the same and I think that's probably the test of, the car- of, of a good club is not when it's winning all the time for example like we are just now it's the same smiling faces that supported us when we were playing the playoff against Brora that could have seen our existence shattered so um, it really is a great club and I'm, I'm fortunate to be at it so back to the pre-match routine. Today you're being rested ahead of the big playoff game next week as we speak. Are the nerves different on the bench to out there playing? Um, because I'm still in that playing sphere, if you like, I, I, I actually prefer playing to coaching because you can you can influence it a lot more. Um, today, yeah, I am older and I've played a lot of games, so... Uh, I, I need a rest, you know, my body's telling me that. Whether I play on Tuesday is still to be determined. But um, I actually struggle more on the sideline than I do in the game because, as I said before, you can influence it from the pitch. Of course you can from the sideline, but so much less. You know, it's about the players. We've got to do our preparation before the game. We can influence things at half-time, etc. But it's about the players on the pitch, and that's where I, I still want to be. Um, so it'll be different for me today. It'll be interesting when you speak to me after and see how I feel. Do you think about your uh, stance on the, on the dugout? Have you, are you thinking ahead that much? Do you, ever, do you ever lose minutes doing things like that? Like, like, like lads <laughs> that play football manager and put their suit on? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I actually, when I was I was coaching a lot in my early 20s uh, at what University, and um, I probably did think about that. It was just a bit, a bit younger and maybe a, a little bit more immature. And hi, guys. And I, I think. The but now no actually it's the opposite. Um, I've obviously I'm speaking to you uh, with regards to my role at Orium and here and and football's a release so I actually probably need to remind myself that um, I need to calm down a little bit because I can get a bit animated um, and dare I say a few swear words come out on the sideline so I don't really think about it I've not got a style on the sideline um, but if you if I was to reflect on it probably the passion comes through definitely and I maybe just need to curtail that a little bit perhaps that'll come when I, when I officially stop playing and I don't feel like I'm kicking every ball but certainly at the moment there's a passion there Ross, we're in the main Orium. pitch area and it is something else. I got goosebumps when we walked in here. Vast. It has a beautiful design to me that looks like the wonderful roof over St Pancras Station, but better than trains and railways, it's got a football pitch at the bottom. This is some place. It's the biggest indoor training centre in the Northern Hemisphere, so another unique selling point really of what we've built here at Orium so we're immensely proud it's actually a tough I have tried I must confess I have tried to kick the ball to the roof and I'm not strong enough so at 35 metres um, anyone's welcome to come in and try but 
where um, away from the, the vagaries of the Scottish weather, it's a real asset. You mentioned that word inspiration. I'm inspired to go and put some boots on and embarrass myself, so that's something, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Getting to know you, that's definitely <laughs> the case. But there, no, there is, it does, in, in this facility, we have the national teams training all the way through to our walking footballers, so it's a pretty special place no matter when you come through the week. And it's even on CBBS. Yeah, we have a whole host of uh, of different random events actually that that occur from here. Our core is training in matches, but yeah, we had CBBS um, in here doing one of their kids' programs around football, which was a was a nice little sideshow. It was tremendous. I loved the bit where you had to pass a ball. Through. I have got a child, I should add. Where you had to, where you had to pass a ball through a moving sort of uh, tyre, wasn't it? That's got to be a training method for Montrose that you can take from CBB's Orium. I, I, to be honest, I think the kids are better than some of our players at these skill games. Ours are a bit more uh, front to back type players, but no, the, the kids did great, and it was a real good, real good event actually for for Scotland. And what we have in here is a place for a couple of hundred spectators to sit as well. And last time I was here, the flags were down because you had an international tournament. Is that a regular thing? Yeah, we do. We're the Scottish FA bid regularly to bring national events. We've got 500 indoor seats and the full international size indoor pitch. So with all the state-of-the-art facilities on the far side of the pitch for for the training and match environments, so... We, we do get quite a number of events um, from under-19 level and below. You know by now I'm a bit of a romantic, and in fact I love Clifton Hill, Central Park, all of the rest, but my feeling is that there's room for both, and I suppose that's true for you. You work in the gritty world of lower division Scottish football and also at the very top end of sport. There's room for everything. Indeed, and I think it, what, one of the things it definitely does is it keeps you grounded because you can get a bit carried away with the people that you might interact with here and then and you go to these grounds and um, they very much keep you grounded because they're by nature just interested in you as a human rather than you with a job title. So that it's great actually having that eclectic mix across all levels. It all adds to the soul of Scottish football. The, there, is, there is very much more than the very top elite um, there is all levels the walking footballers it's pretty inspirational they're starting to train they're looking at training a third time in the week you know they're getting they're, they're more committed than some of our professional teams actually I was in, in Inverkip last week doing an event and their walking football team alleged that a Motherwell side has brought in ringers which I just loved so walking football has re- reached the stage of alleging ringers What kind of occupations are teammates and footballers that aren't full-time doing generally these days? There's actually a, a full eclectic mix. There are some highly successful individuals, whether that be working in finance or project management, through to um, what would be probably more general jobs, such as teachers and through down to working in the trades and really everything in, in between, really. And what about... You, tell me what your job is. So my job currently at Orium is Executive Director. So I have the privilege of operating the facility along with all the colleagues that we have here. Do you find it easy enough to separate both of yourselves? You know, if you get a text saying so-and-so's injured on Saturday, 
do you think about it a lot at work or do you think I'll think about that at six o'clock tonight? I allow both to flow into each other and it, it helps with my overall balance because, yes, I've got a responsibility here at Orium um, as assistant manager and player. I've got a commitment and responsibility at, at Montrose, but I also have a young family. So trying to combine that triumvirate really is difficult, but I allow them to all overlap and so far so good in that setting i'm not i'm not really one to compartmentalize it and only deal with stuff in work that's not how any of the three my wife would tell me to say that anyway but that's not how any of the three really work i guess being in this environment can only help your football career in terms of being at the forefront of a lot of sports science and theory and technique i know there won't always be the resources to implement it at montrose and in lower division scottish football but it can only help i think so we're very fortunate here at Orium. We have, we have some exceptional staff. And if you, if you look at the performance side, I know Neil Gibson, our Director of Performance, Sport and Health, writes with you and has been on previous podcasts. Neil is at the very cutting edge of sports science. So to, to have him as a colleague and a friend that I can lean on with my Montrose hat on certainly helps to influence what we do. We sit now at Orium, which is a spectacular, very beautiful place, a wonderful environment. What question was Orium trying to answer? Why does it exist? That that in itself is an interesting question. What we, what we inherited, because it was a bid process, was that there was a, a report into the future of Scottish football from Henry McLeish, and that identified that there was a, a real need for a national football centre. What, what basically happened was that national squads were training all across the country wherever they could have a, a gentleman's agreement by accessing pitches. So with the emergence of St George's Park down in England, I think there was a focus here in Scotland that if that if we could build a national football centre, then the the performances um, on the pitch would improve, the training environment would Im- would improve, and the shared learning would improve. The Scottish government very kindly donated um, upwards of the in the end twenty six million, but that became a national sports centre rather than just a football centre because there, there wasn't that critical mass of of need just here in Scotland. So that's really where it emerged from. It was about bringing that learning environment, that training environment to really complement what we were trying to do on the pitch. The first time I came here, I was grabbed by the feeling that you don't feel like we have things like that in this country. I don't just mean in Scotland, I mean in Britain generally. This feels like a place where you go on holiday and you go, oh, I wish we had that. We're exceptionally proud. There was a lot of hard work went in, not, not just from colleagues here at Orium, um, but from wider stakeholders, the national government bodies that we have partnerships with, Sports Scotland as the national agency. You know, we went, we went round the country, we went to a lot of na- academies down in England, um, from Manchester United through to St George's Park through to Aston Villa there was a whole host of different academies that were pretty much cutting edge at that time we even went abroad um, Neil was in France uh, we both went to Holland to look at their activity so one of the briefs was that it had to be inspirational within the facility but also aspirational so that the children coming in who were seeing these Andy Robertsons of the world could, there was that glass ceiling effect where they, they saw them and they could create that inspiration and aspiration that they wanted to be the, the new Andy Robertsons if you like so I'm glad that the feedback so far has been just like what you've been saying is that the facility is quite inspirational it's about us now creating the culture and the environment so that it isn't just the facility it's all about the behaviours that we have here that really complement what that initial McCree's report was trying to suggest. 
So who is using it at the moment in footballing terms anyway? Which teams, what kind of things are they doing here? So the the main one is is the national teams. So we've just had Shelley Kerr and, and Steve Clark in respectively and, and their preparations for the, the recent campaigns. And that really cascades down the, the women and the men sections. So all of the national teams, both male and female. We've got all of the coach education that um, that happens from the UEFA licences down to the children's licences. We've got all of the refereeing programmes. So pretty much everything that you would designate to be Scottish FA um, from a national level occurs here at Orium, which we're, we're very fortunate to have. It is also the regional base for the East region, so a lot of more local activity happens. And then there's a whole host of, of clubs from Hearts, who are an anchor tenant of the sports academy so they have their own part of Orium and that was that would pre-existed before Orium um, was opened so they are an anchor tenant and use us considerably for all of their programs we're a base for Hibs in terms of their development squad and we'll have a whole host of teams from within the region from Edinburgh City to East Fife to Cowdenbeef and then working down into the lower echelons of Scottish football really kids programs all the way down and uh, to cap it off the launch of the walking football that we have now here we we really have all ages and that's an important thing to you isn't it that it's not just the elite vital as that is that this is to be a community facility very much so we talk about three different pillars actually here so there is the performance that's why the government gave the money there was a vacuum of where national squads could train because rugby are scottish rugby are based here as well as our as our, our court sports and squash so there, there is that performance and that absolutely has to take a focus. In, in Scotland, or the, certainly the national government bodies that we work with, football and rugby, they are traditionally professional. So during the day, it is quieter in the facility. We strive certainly for that perfect balance of having professional sport as one third. One third being our students and staff, which obviously we are based here at Heriot-Watt University. And then the third one being the community, which is non-performance and non-student. So a kind of catch-all phrase for the local community and it being a, a regional centre. So we do always strive to to find that balance between performance and participation. And, and with the design of the building and having, for example, two gyms, two sets of changing rooms, two sets of meeting rooms, we can really combine both. There must be some surreal moments. The first time I came to the cafe, I saw Craig Levine queuing up for his cup of tea. Does that happen a lot? Do you see Mr. Levine queuing up? That's that's something that if, if you if you go back to what we were discussing earlier, the, the privileged position that I have and how I can take that learning into what I would do at Montrose, it's fantastic. I remember giving a tour to somebody one day and, and I was walking down and I said good morning to Shelley Kerr. And, and the person was a football fan. I then continued to walk on and I saw Craig Levine, who was in the Hearts area because I was giving a tour of the facility. When I was walking across the pitch, I then saw Gregor Townsend, who also said good morning. And, and I think that that was one of the a number of stories that I tell about how this place has to work because you've got all of these people at the cutting edge of professional sport all under the same roof. And just by having that, and not necessarily Orium influencing it much further than that, but... By creating that environment, we absolutely want and it must work as a result of that. What has it achieved so far? I probably let other people decide on that. And that's not me shirking the, the conversation. It's really difficult to to measure what was happening off the field. Because, of course, on the field, I could hit you with statistics about the performances of 
Shelley Kerr, well, Anna initially, and then Sherry, Shelley Kerr. Um, we've had some noticeable achievements in the, the men's youth programmes with their successes um, into other sports, which I won't drift in because of the topic of the uh, the podcast, but the number of other sports have had uh, tremendous successes in the short time. We've only been open three years. We try to focus here at Orium on what success looks like as, as the future, the sustainability of the business and the environment that we create. So no matter, we allow coaches to decide how they want to coach. We wouldn't be shaping that, but creating that environment as as colleagues here at Orium is really, really pivotal. So I would argue that we've been hugely successful, but it is going to be a bit more of a legacy element of what is the next generation. So when we first opened and that 15-year-old who was starting in the, in the teams, what are they going to be like in 15 years' time? Are they going to have a successful time? Are, are Scotland going to qualify for future World Cups just like Shelley's team have? I think that will be the overall definition of success and that will be shared not just through Orium but that will be shared with the national government bodies and pretty much the people of Scotland. We can no longer say in Scotland we don't have the brilliant facilities. This is world class. Well, I think so. I think what we're trying to do is control the the controllables. So the environment that we can create uh, as Orium colleagues, we want that to be inspirational. The facility, I think we've spent a lot of time and a lot of the government's money as well as the partners, Herrick Watt and Set of Edinburgh Council, on making that inspirational. So we think that's excellent. It's then... It's then a case of the people, the shared learning, the value added, and ultimately, this is performance sports, so it's about the performances on the pitch. So I think we're all up for that challenge, but it's going to be a collective one. And the official attendance at today's match is 688. Thank you for your score today. Ross, in theory today's game didn't mean that much because you both of you are in the playoffs, but you didn't have to give it some in the dugout. Well, that was, uh, to be honest, that was me on a cam day. Um, so you need to come back up again, Dan, when you see uh, when the game is really a meaningful one. But no, the, as we said before, the interview the, and the interview the players are, are fantastic. So they really gave it everything. The, these players who are wanting to play on Tuesday and they're wanting to prove to the management and the coaching staff that they're ready to play. So they left everything out there and it was uh, it was enjoyable. Is it hard going from having a good laugh with some of them who are your mates who you might share car journeys with to barking instructions? Not for me, but it can be for others. I think my personality type is um, I've always been quite bossy if you like, and uh, and because of the respect that um, I hold the players in, and, and hopefully they hold me, they know that whenever I'm I'm communicating in, say, more authoritarian voice, they know it's because I'm wanting the best for the team, and that's me in my coaching role. So I, I can quite easily divide it, but I can understand from the other side, maybe they, they get confused sometimes, but certainly I feel comfortable jumping between both. This seems to me, because I've watched behind the scenes for a few hours today, there's a healthy respect between football clubs and even a friendship, isn't there? Yeah, very much so. I think uh, there is a... Uh, I mean, make no mistake, between the hours of three and, and typically 4.45, it's played at a high spirit, a high intensity. But rarely do you come off and that carries over. And there is a, a respect. You know, I, I'm speaking to you just now, but I'll, I'll go next door to the manager's office and, and John McGlynn and, 
and Smudger will be in next door having a beer and just talking about football and life generally or probably about the playoffs um, this time. So there is that healthy respect and that's that's from kit man to kit man, you know, it's from volunteer, it's from chairman to chairman and it's from player to player. So it's lovely to see, isn't it? Absolutely. Is there anywhere else you'd rather be on a Saturday afternoon? <laughs> no, most certainly not. Football's a, a real release for me. I've got a young family. I've got, I really enjoy my, my job at Orium. Um, but football is that release. You know, it's that. Um, it covers everything, isn't it? The the top to the bottom. And uh, so, no, there's nowhere I would rather be. Thinking about Montrose as a club and this ground, a lot of supporters don't particularly like. Traditionalists don't like the modern pitches, the plastic pitches, whatever they're made from. But you can't deny this still retains the atmosphere of a ground. It's in the middle of the town. It's got housing around it. Do you ever think about things like that as a player and as a player coach? Or is it all about what happens on the, the pitch? Well, typically when I'm in a coaching role, I would obviously be focused on the team. But it's part-time football and, and you've got to enjoy all aspects, you know, because it, it doesn't remunerate you enough just to exclusively focus on that. So I do, by the time you spend time with people... The you can talk about these things, the character that we have here at Montrose, and it's the same with other other grounds. You know, I played a long time at Forfar, and they're almost the heartbeat of of the local area. You know, we've got the club here, and whenever you come up and spend time here, you really see that they are an anchor in in the society. So long may that continue, and and we're not the only ones. You know, that there's there's clubs that all the four Angus clubs are, are wonderful to be around. My family's been around all four of them now. Um, but you know, you go into Fife, you go across Stirling, you go down south um, into the borders. It's all the same. So it really does. If anybody wants to get out and feel what it's like to be in Scottish football, I, I certainly would recommend that. From Lowland League through to juniors and all the way up up to here in Angus, it, you do, do get a real sense of what it's like. Sell.